Thanks. Hey, before I jump in today, I, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been bringing stuff in or sending stuff for this backpack, back to school drive. Um, I broke into Tim's office uh, this week and I took some pictures. Uh, take a look at this. It was a fun week to be in the office. The, uh, stuff was coming in from UPS. Stuff was coming in from, from people. Little kids were coming in carrying the stuff. It was great. And look at this. Talk about organized. This is the best Tim's office has ever looked. Um, he, look at that. Look at that. that. Those are just boxes of markers, boxes of crayons, um, all these backpacks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to all of you who brought stuff. This is for a great cause. And thanks to our um, Compassion, Justice, and Mission team. Because it's, it's a good thing to give. It is a better thing to give wisely. And you guys get it. You get it. And the way they're doing this is remarkable. I'm so, so, so excited. So thank you for bringing it. Thanks to our team for their leadership. Oh, it's, it's, it's fun. It is absolutely fun. All right. Well, uh, we're going to be jumping right in today. Um, if you brought your Bibles, let's open up to Hebrews. We haven't spent much time in Hebrews. Sometime I want to just walk through the book of Hebrews. This is, it's a fascinating book. Um, we're going to be looking at one passage from Hebrews today. Um, if you have your Bibles, open up to ele- uh, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 6. While you're turning there, if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love to send you home with one free today. We have free copies of the Bible right back there on that welcome table. Please just take one. There's nothing to sign or anything like that. We'd love to, to give you one as a gift. Well, last week we started a, um, a, a brand new series, and it's called It Takes a Lot of Faith. So we're going to open with a, with a passage on faith. Does it take faith to be a Christian? Yes, it does. It takes a lot of faith to be a Christian. Here's one passage that speaks to that out of many. In fact, this whole chapter has a, has a lot of use of the word faith. But take, here's, here's one, one example. Um, verse 6. Without faith, it is what? It's impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So this is one passage out of many we could open all over the Bible. We could see that it takes faith to be a Christian. But the point of this series is, is the Christian walk the only walk that requires faith? No, it's not. The Christian walk is not the only walk that requires faith. Here's an example of a person that, that, that is walking by faith. I was, uh, I was uh, running some errands this week, and this is the, a picture I took of someone's bump, uh, bumper, a car. Uh, they were parked right across the mine. So we got my little ECC cross sticker on one side of the lot, or one side, and then on the other one across from me is this one. And if, you, if you're having trouble making that out, there's this little... Uh, little, little um, Christian fish, and inside it, it's got the word Darwin, and then it's got little legs on it. Well, let's just say while I'm snapping that picture, Darwin fish guy comes out. And uh, I was kind of thinking, what would I say if I'm snapping a picture of his, 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 his car? And, and the conversations never go like they go in your head. But let's just pretend it, it, it did, all right? So, so, so Darwin fish guy comes out, let's say, and, and says, what are you doing? And, and what if I said something to the effect of, well, hey, I noticed this um, emblem. On, on your car. Can you tell me more about that? And then what if he said, oh, I love this thing. I love it. It could be, oh, I was stuck in my car when I bought it. But let's just pretend he said, no, no, I, I, I love it. I, this thing is great. Do you know, you see that little fish shape? That's the symbol of the Christian faith. And inside it, there's, we have, I have the word Darwin. And, and, and then we got these legs because Darwin blows Christianity out of the water. It blo- and I've had people say that before. Dar- and I've seen it in print. Darwin blows Christianity water. In fact, evolution proves there's no God. It proves it. There's no God. 
I said, interesting, interesting. Tell me more about that. How, how, does, how does science prove there's no God? And let's just say this guy gets, gets all animated and says, I can't believe you don't know this. I can't believe you don't know this. Let me educate you. Every scientist knows simple life began billions and billions of years ago in some ancient body of water. Everyone knows this. And over time, that simple life became more complex, and we have fossils to prove it. I can't believe some people have faith in God when the facts prove he doesn't exist. And if you're a person who knows the facts, you might have a couple questions. And again, conversations never go like this. Um, but pretend they did. And pretend that you, 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 you had a couple questions and you, and you asked questions such as these. Can Darwin's theory of origin um, of how life began, can it be proven using science? at least the scientific method. Can you prove the theory of evolution using a scientific method? What's the answer to that question? No, you, you can't, okay? Number two, has spontaneous generation, life coming from non-life, has that ever been observed, ever, or has it been replicated scientifically? Have people been able to do this? What's the answer to that? No, okay. Is there such a thing as simple life? Even you take the simplest life, a cell, a one-celled organism, is that simple? What's the answer to that? No. And number four, does the fossil record provide overwhelming evidence for macroevolution? Not did one species grow a longer bill or get a shorter leg or something like that, but is there an unbroken record with any species going from one species to the other, at least in an overwhelming way? Is there? No. So you could ask questions like that. Um, is there intriguing evidence that could be used to support evolution? Yes, there is very intriguing evidence. In fact, hear me clearly. My point is not, here's what Christians believe about evolution. You take evolution and you have sincere, truth-seeking, intelligent people who line up on both sides of this. They look at the evidence and some say yes, the evidence appears that, that God used evolutionary processes. There's others who say, no, it, it doesn't. My point is not what a Christian should believe about evolution. My point is simply this. Does it take faith to believe that, there, that, that God played no role whatsoever in how life began and, and differentiated? I'd say the answer to that is yes, it takes faith. In fact, I found, found this quote. Take a look at this. We had some quotes last week. Here's another quote. And I love quotes like this that aren't coming from pastors. They're not coming from Christians. And they're using faith words. Take a look at this one. This is a guy named George Wall. He's a Harvard professor emeritus in biology. So this is his field. He's also a 1971 Nobel Prize winner. Okay? So is this just random blogger guy who is straw man? Let me set it up. Let me knock him down. No, this is, this, this is a guy who knows his stuff. Look what he says. Listen to these words. There are only two possible explanations as to how life arose on this planet. Spontaneous generation arising to evolution or a supernatural act of God. How many, do, how many options does he give you? Two. Is this a pastor giving you these two options? No, this is a biologist from Harvard Nobel Prize winner. Okay, he says, there's two. You've got spontaneous generation arising to revolution or a supernatural act of God. There is no third position. Spontaneous generation was scientifically proved, scientifically disproved 120 years ago. 
But that leaves us with only one other possibility, that life came as a supernatural act of creation by God. I can't accept that philosophically. Did he say scientifically? He said philosophically, okay? I can't accept that philosophically because I don't want to believe in God. Wow. Therefore, by, say it out loud, faith, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically proved, definitively, what does he say? Impossible, spontaneous generation. Okay. Again, here's the thing about this quote. This is, this is a, a guy who's, who's examined evidence. And he believes the evidence supports his position, but is he saying it proves that God doesn't exist? No, he's saying, I, I choose to believe this. I look at the evidence, I, ch- I, I choose to believe this in faith. All right, well, let's go back to Darwin Fish Guy. Let's say uh, you, you talk some more. He admits that God has not been scientifically disproven. In fact, it, it's, it's almost impossible to disprove anything. Right? It's, it, it's almost impossible. So, so he, let's just say he says something like this. Okay, okay. Maybe science doesn't disprove God, but you can't disprove that leprechauns don't like Justin Bieber. And I'd say, you're right. I can't disprove that. I've heard they like One Direction better, but, you know, I, I can't prove one way or another. I can't. So then he says something like this. I, I guess we're just going to have to agree to disagree. We're just going to have to agree to disagree on this. You have faith in God, and that evidently works for you, but I can't make that leap of faith. So I guess I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. There might be a God. There might not be a God. Okay, let's say he lands there. Well, how many of you know, and you don't have to raise your hands on this. I don't want to put you in the spot yet. Um, But how many of you know that it takes a lot of faith to stay an atheist? takes a lot of faith to stay an atheist. You have to reject some, some pretty powerful stuff. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you consider yourself an agnostic, and I'd imagine there'd be a number of you here today, thank you for coming. My, my, hope, is, I, I, my hope is not that I'm going to convince you because that's not possible. I, I, you, I've learned, I used to think if you present overwhelming evidence that people will accept it. Well, there's people that believe the earth is flat. There's people that believe space aliens started our world. I mean, there's all these things. So, so people, you can't convince people of anything. But my hope is that you'd be open, that this week and the next couple weeks, that, that you'd be open to, to at least listen and, and carefully weigh this out, um, some of the things that, that we present to you. Um, here, here, let me give you big picture where we're going, and then let's quickly go there uh, together. Um, why do I think it takes a lot of faith? Here's, this is, this is my, my thoughts here. Why, why does it take a lot of faith to be an agnostic? At least the way I see it, two things, and the, there's a place to, to write this down in your notes. The magnitude of Christianity's claims and the quality of Christianity's evidence. I'm not going to speak for all religions. Today I want to specifically talk about Christianity. I can't speak for all those other religions. But why does it take a lot of faith, in my opinion, to be an agnostic? To just stay in the spot of maybe it's true, maybe it's not? Because to do so, you have to stiff arm or ignore the magnitude of Christianity's claims and the quality of the evidence. Why do both these matter? Well, I mean, I I think you you already see this, I would imagine. These both matter. Because let's say you've got big claims, little evidence. Chances are you're not going to put your faith in that, right? If it's big claims, little evidence, 
you know, not necessarily going to put your, 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 your faith there. What about the opposite? Lots of evidence, little claims. So what? There are stripes in the parking lot. I got lots of evidence. Okay. That's nice, right? Okay. But if you have both, you have big claims, big evidence. Now, all of a sudden, this should have your attention. And I would present to you that Christianity has big claims, big evidence. And that would, I would hope, compel you to take a step of faith. Let's illustrate this. All right? Let's illustrate this. Kids. How many kids do we have here that have, uh, that are, have not yet had their first day of sixth grade? So younger than sixth grade. How many, how many are here? Okay. Now, I gotta, I, I got, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to take a step of faith. I'm just going to tell you this. You're going to have to trust me. That inside this case, I have a bunch of $1 bills. Real $1 bills. The kind you can spend. The kind that don't give you cavities. I tried, parents, to find something that... <laughs> with these object lessons. You gave them candy again? They just had 14 donuts before they came in? All right. Um, so <laughs> you can spend on healthy organic treats. All right. Um, inside, I have real dollar bills. I even have two witnesses. I even have two witnesses. My daughters. Emma, did I show you... Stacks of money. Say it out loud. <laughs> Yesterday. Yes, you even did the fanning thing, right? Andra, when you came in my office last night, did, did I have stacks of $1 bills? Yes, you did. All right. And did you guys see these cases? Emma, you were there when I picked this case up, right? Andrew, you were there yesterday. Oh, I don't know if you would have seen the cases. Do you see the case in my office? Maybe, maybe not. Okay, so I have two witnesses. I have two witnesses, and I'm telling you, I got $1 bills. If you are a kid who's not yet had... A, first day of sixth grade, and you come forward right now, I will give you a $1 bill. Anybody going to come forward in faith? Anyone going to come up? Take, oh, yeah, from the back there. They're stepping forward in faith. Anyone else? Anyone else? Check that out. There we go. There's one for you. One for you. One for you. Here they come. One for you. <laughs> one for you. One for you. We got car carriers coming up here. She wants one, really. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. These kids just acted in faith, didn't they? they there was a claim that to a kid, decent claim. Hey, I'm going to get a dollar. And, and, but not a, lot of, not a lot of evidence. Well, as we begin to grow up, we want bigger claims and we want more evidence, right? Well, let's, let's, let's play that out a little bit. Let's just say you heard a rumor that Bill Gates was sitting at the Applebee's and Hastings and he was writing out $10,000 checks to folks while supplies last. All right? And let's say a stranger one day comes knocking on your door wearing a white shirt and a black tie because that's what they wear. And, uh, and, they, <laughs> and they came knocking on your door and they said, hey, this is going to sound crazy. You don't know me. But Bill Gates is handing out $10,000 checks at the Applebee's and Hastings. All right. How many of you would hop in your car, rush down to Applebee's? You can show your hands if you would do that. Okay. One would take the shot. All right. Okay. Now, what, what would help? Con- First of all, is the claim big enough? Claim big enough? to motiv- would, How many of you would be motivated by $10,000 to, um, to check something out, to drive to Hastings? All right. Okay. So what would help convince you? What, what, would, what might you do if, if um, what, what would you do, thank you, what would you do if, if you heard that claim? What, might, what would you do? Investigate, okay? How? how would, what would be something that, that you would do, Natalie? What might be something you would check out? 
There we go. More witnesses. Perfect. That would be one way to find out if there's more witnesses. And credible witnesses, right? Credible witnesses. Okay, how about someone else? What else would help you? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Call Applebee's in Hastings. Applebee's. So, is Bill Gates happen to be there passing out? And Okay, that's good stuff. All right, what are some other things that you might try? Yeah. Yes, there you go. Where's your check? Show me the money. I've got to write that down. I don't get to say that often. Show me the money. Maybe we'll have the kids say that next time. Show me the money. What else? Anything else you can think of? What's that? Google. Google. There you go. Do the Google. If you start seeing the trend, Applebee's and Hastings skyrocketing up. Google, I spoke Google wrong. How do you spell? How do you spell G O O G? I had it right. It just looked wrong. You ever have those words you spell and they they're right? They look wrong. Okay. Um, anything else you can think of that might be helpful? Yeah. Sarah. There we go. Yep. Look into, does this fit with Bill Gates? Bill Gates evidence. Okay. Any more? Are we good? Pray first. There we go. Because are there strings attached here? Pray. Okay. So there, well, grab the thanks. I just want my marker to dry out. Um, so, so there are things you could do. But if, if you had these things, how many, if, if these things started to line up, how many of you would take the trip? If these started to line up? Okay. So there, there are things that sound crazy. There are things that, that don't seem to be logical. There are things that seem really unusual. But if the evidence is there, we'll take a step of faith if the claims are big enough. Are we all on the same page on that? That if the claim is big enough and the evidence is good, we'll take a step of faith, we'll give this thing a shot. In fact, we would really check it out. The more the evidence seems to get stronger and stronger, the more I think we would say, okay, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I'll check this out. And I would present to you that the claims of Christianity are as big as they come and the evidence is as strong as there is. And we won't be able to thoroughly exhaust that today. We wouldn't be able to thoroughly exhaust that in a million todays. But, but I hope if you're sitting on the edge here, this is one of these days that, that's, well, maybe, maybe I need to take another look at this. Maybe I need to take another look. Or if you are a believer, but this is one of those days, hopefully, that, that, that helps strengthen that foundation on those, those times where you wonder, like the songs we sang, is God stronger? Because right now I'm praying and I'm not getting the answer. You know, or, or, or whatever the case may be. Let's briefly look at the magnitude of the claims, then we'll briefly look at the quality of the evidence, evidence really, really briefly. Here we go. Magnitude of Christianity's claims. Um, here, here are just two of a million things that we could say, summary statements. And, and one is this. There is, one of the claims of Christianity is there's only one, only one creator God, and he cares deeply for you. Another of Christianity's big claims is this. It is through faith in Jesus Christ that our relationship with God is restored. Boy, consider those claims. Here's a passage we looked at briefly uh, last week. Let me bring it up again. Um, this is, this is a, a passage that sets things off here in the, in the Bible. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Chapter 1 is the first chapter. So right in the beginning, we hear this. 
that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, what a magnificent claim that there is a creator God. And, and when he created, we're not just random. We're not afterthoughts. We're not just one of the things. We're his image bearers. Men and women, all people, we bear the image of God. And then look at how, how this, this grand claim goes on from there. God blessed them. Oh, if you could put that back there. God blessed them. God said to them, this, this God who created, this God whose image we bear, he speaks to his people. He speaks to his people. All those with ears to hear, God wants to speak to his people. Big claim, big claim. And as he speaks to his people, he, he tries to help us. He tries to say, if you live like this, things will go better with each other. You know? And, and, and when your enemy comes, love him. That's going to be counterintuitive, but love him and pray for him. And put others before yourself. And, and he tells us these things that are counterintuitive. But if we do them, if we don't steal and we don't do these things, oh, life will be better. And then he says about relationship with me. He, here are some things. This will help us grow a, a relationship. A real, you can have a relationship with God. Huge claims right from chapter 1. Well, the problem is, and now we can go on to that next verse. The problem is this. When God speaks, we often don't listen. When God speaks, we often don't listen, or we just ignore what he's saying altogether. In fact, we all do this, and it's what's called sin. Here's, here's a great summary verse out of Proverbs 20, verse 9. Um, who can say I've kept my heart pure? I'm clean, I'm without sin. Who can say that? What, what's the answer to that question? No one can. No one can. And that's a big deal. We had a family movie night, uh, I think it was last week, and uh, we were watching a movie called National Treasure. How many of you have seen See that movie? Okay. There's a scene in the movie. This, there's this guy, the, the lead character is Ben Gates. And Ben Gates is trying to do the right thing. And he thinks doing the right thing is going to mean stealing the Declaration of Independence. And so he steals this thing to keep it from these other guys. And so here the, the lead detective eventually catches up with him and, and this whole deal. And so they're sitting there at this table. And, and Ben Gates goes, I really don't want to go to prison. And the lead detective says, hey, this is the Declaration of Independence. Someone's going to jail, Ben. This is a crime. Someone's got to go to jail for this. Declaration of Independence was stolen. Somebody's going to jail. This is hard to understand. At different times, we spend entire messages on this. But sin is rebellion against the King of Kings. It is not, I made a little mistake. It might feel like you made a little mistake, but the actual act itself is high treason. And the punishment is much greater than jail. It's eternal separation from God. The punishment for rebellion is eternal separation from God. And that puts us in a horrible spot. Um, summarized here by uh, the book of Job, chapter 9, where, where it goes this. How, how can I dispute with God? How can I find words to argue with him? He's not a man like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court even. If only, if only there was someone to arbitrate between us to lay his hand on us both, someone to remove God's rod from me, meaning his correction, his good justice, so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now is with me, I, I can't do that. What if? What if there was someone to be a mediator between us and God? 
What if there was someone that could, could reconcile that relationship? And one of the magnificent claims of Christianity is that there is. There is. That in Christ, God was reconciling himself. Uh, here's a passage, John 14, verses 1 through 5. It says this. Let, and this is, these are the words of Jesus, that person who came. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, or would I have told you, that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. Well, Thomas said, Lord, how do we, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then come these words that so many of us have memorized. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then what does he say? Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Christianity is both inclusive and exclusive. It is inclusive because all who believe, all who have faith, can be reconciled with God. It is exclusive because all who have faith will be reconciled with God. But those are the claims. Those are among the claims of Christianity. And if you journey with us, or if you dig into the Bible as you explore these claims, you're going to see more and more and more, though, how magnificent these are. Here are some of the brief descriptions, what they say it's like to be reconciled to God through Jesus. It says things like this. It's like a prisoner being set free. It is like someone who is lost getting found. It is like someone who is blind seeing clearly. It is like someone who is frightened finding security. It is like someone who is guilty of a debt that they could never pay being forgiven in full. It is like an object of wrath becoming a son or a daughter. Christianity, it's not about becoming religious. Some of the people that Jesus was the most frustrated with were people who, who had religion without a relationship with God. Christianity is ultimately about this reconciliation, being reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. It's about someone who is in danger, someone who is heading down a path that leads to eternal separation from God, getting saved. Which is why the author of Hebrew, I guess we will go back to Hebrew one more time, the author of Hebrew says this. He goes, how then should we escape if we ignore? How shall we escape if we ignore these claims? If we ignore so great a salvation, how should we escape? Now, you might be thinking, oh, okay, oh, and you've probably been thinking this for a while as I've been talking. What about all these other religions? Don't they make similar claims? First of all, I'd argue the claims of Christianity are qualitatively different than any religion I'm aware of. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, claims are similar. Let's just say that. Well, where do you start if you're, if you're an agnostic? See, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. There's all these thousands of religions... You can't expect, there's not enough time in life to explore them all. Okay, if this were me and big claims, I'd say, okay, let, let's start with the biggest three. And there's three in the world that stand out above all else. In fact, it, it's, I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but the numbers were pretty similar in the different places I looked. You have three that are around a billion or more. You have nothing else even close to that. Next one drops down, it's like 400 million or something like that. Um, but, but the three biggest ones are Hinduism, it has roughly a billion, so about the population of India. We'll show you that in a second. Um, and then uh, there's Islam. That one I've seen big, big ranges, everything from 1.5 billion to about 2 billion. 
And then you have Christianity, which every source I saw had over $2 billion. So, so I would say start with those three. Okay, if you start with those three, um, Hinduism we're not going to spend much time on because I, I, don't, I don't know of any equivalent of Jesus that, that's really embedded there. But let me show you something as I was looking this up. This is a chart. And, and the darker the ink on this chart, that's the higher the concentrations of people who believe this, followers of this. Where, where are the followers of, of Hinduism? Okay, so for me, that's not very compelling. For me personally, I would look at that and say, I, I can understand intellectually how a nation would have a national religion. Maybe for you that's compelling because there's a billion people in India that, that adhere to this. Okay, for me, that's not very compelling. Now, let's, let's move on then. So that was number three. So I, for, for me, it's not hard. It doesn't take much faith for me to say, I'm not going to explore that one. All right, what about Islam? Islam is closer in size to, to, um, to, to Christianity. Islam also has a figure. It has a historical figure, Muhammad. This was interesting. Dark represents highest concentration. Where's Islam highest concentrated? It's highest concentrated in countries where if you don't believe it, if you don't say you believe it, you can get in big trouble, either by the government itself or by people living there. So that's Islam. And, and also, it's just, it's, it's, well, I'll come to that in a second. Now let's move on to Christianity. Here's, here's the concentration. Look at this. When people have an ability to choose freely and they choose a faith, what do they choose? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And when you look at the countries there, some people, was that then the 1040 window? When you look at the 1040 window, that's here. 1040 window. Um, boy, is Christianity moving in those areas? Oh, oh it is, isn't it? Christianity is it's exploding in underground churches, even in places where it's persecuted. Where it's persecuted, Christianity is growing. It's growing. In China, it's growing like crazy. In fact, I've had, in the last two months, I've had two missionaries who are, who are going into some of those countries where it's illegal. Islamic countries. And, and they want to go spread Christianity. It, there's something about Christianity that is qualitatively different than any of those others. And, and some might say, oh, but, but no way. What about Christianity? Christian, what about the Crusades? What about Constantine? They were the ones that really advanced Christianity. Go back to the start of Christianity. For the first 280 years of Christianity, there was no military advancement. In fact, it was a persecuted faith. How did something that was persecuted... I mean, Muhammad, again, I, I, I don't have... I'm going to read the Quran. It's on my list to, to read because so many people are, are, are followers, but, but I'm not compelled by that. I'm not compelled because Muhammad didn't have a lot of followers until he became a military ruler and, and until he um, started to do a lot of really shrewd political things and until he started taking money from folks and giving that money to other people. Did Jesus ever do those things? So what was it about Christianity? What was it about Christianity that caused people to put their faith in it. That's why let's move on quickly to the quality of the evidence. I, I, I don't, I, we could list all kinds of things, but here, here are the two things I would point you to if you were a seeker, sincere seeker. I'd say quality of Christianity's evidence, there has never been a historical figure like Jesus Christ ever, except the people who are Christ-like, his, his followers. 
And there's never been a book like a Bible. There's never been a, a historical figure like Jesus Christ. There's never been a book like the Bible. I, I hope uh, in three weeks we're going we're gonna to focus on the Jesus piece. I mean, we, we focus on the Jesus piece a lot here as a, as a, as a Christian church, but we're going to really drill into this. Uh, oh, I, it's so hard because you want to say so much right now. I, I hope you can be there when we, when we explore the, the impact of Jesus. An obscure, peace-preaching, homeless peasant from nowhere. And the impact this man made on our world. He changed how we measure history. He changed how we express compassion. Jesus changed how we think about human rights. The Jesus movement revolutionized education. The Jesus movement revolutionized the arts. The Jesus movement revolutionized politics. Jennifer, does this sound familiar? <laughs> Jill, we were just at a conference this weekend. And uh, I tell you, if you are a person and you're not sure about Christianity, I will buy you this book. I started reading it yesterday because I heard about it Friday. Um, this, it, it's a great summary of, of, of the impact this man has had. He, not only is he without parallel, there is, there is nobody on the same plane of existence as Jesus. Why? Why? It takes a lot of faith to not investigate that when you consider the magnitude of the claims. And then the Bible. <laughs> You know, Darwin Fish guy, let's go back to him for a second. Um, Darwin Fish guy might say this. Okay, 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 okay. If God, if God is real, well, why doesn't he just prove himself? Come on, why does he just do something so undeniable that everyone would put their faith in him? Come on, why not? Why, Why not just raise someone from the dead in front of me? That might do it. How did Jesus respond to that? Real briefly, a piece of scripture. These, these are the words of Jesus. He's telling a story. He's telling a story to, to a, a fictional man who says, hey, I have brothers. I want them to know the truth because I found out too late the truth. Would you do this? Would, would you send someone um, who, who, from the dead to go talk to these people? Because if you did that, Jesus, they, or in this case, Abraham, if you did that, they would believe. And Jesus says this. He says, or through, as Jesus tells a story, he has Abraham say this. They have Moses and the prophets, meaning Holy Scriptures of their time. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the guy says, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. Abraham said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Jesus said this, the most remarkable teacher ever, the person who impacted the world more than anyone else, the person who understands the human condition so well that he transformed everything about it, He said this. He says, if you're a sincere seeker and you look at the Holy Scriptures, this is a broad paraphrase here, but but I believe it to be true. If you are a sincere seeker and you look and you examine the Scriptures, you will find more convincing evidence there than you would find in a person who apparently raised from the dead. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. And, And again, some of you go, well, I have done that. And by done that, you mean I took a class in college from a professor who had an axe to grind against Christianity. I'd encourage you to circle back. Consider the magnitude of the claims. Join us for the next couple weeks. Again, not because we can convince you, but because hope maybe we'll say, here's some, you may hear some things that you haven't heard before. You might hear some things you haven't heard before. So here's, here's my question. If these things would motivate you to take a road trip to Hastings if, if for, for $10,000. Big claim. 
if, if more witnesses would do that or, or, or checking into things, calling and saying, what, you know, what do you think? If that, would, if that would compel you to take a road trip to Hastings for $10,000, we got bigger claims coming from Christianity. And we have caps that fly around the room. Um, we have bigger claims coming from Christianity. And we have com- comparable, comparable evidence. We have more witnesses than you can count throughout history, every continent, every culture. And, 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 and you've got credible ones. You have some horrible ones, too. We'll talk about that a little bit later here. But we have credible witnesses. You can do your fact-checking. Do your Googling. Do your research. And, and even experientially. In fact, that was my tipping point. Personal experience. Does God answer every prayer? Nope. But I heard another good quote this weekend. He answers every prayer that he should. God answers every prayer that, that he should. And my hope is that if you're sitting on the edge today, you'll consider coming back the next couple of weeks and, and, and listen with an open heart and, and an open mind. Will we be able to convince you? No. God himself chooses not to do this. I, I believe I put this quote in your notes um, from a brilliant man named C.S. Lewis who didn't, who, who for a while kept God at, 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 an, at a distance. He says this, the irresistible, capital I, and indisputable, capital I, are the two weapons which the very nature of God's scheme forbids him to use. Merely to override a human will would be for him useless. He cannot ravish, he can only woo. God could convince you, but by doing so, he would take ability away to choose, and no longer it's a relationship, it's a coerced, forced thing. He's programmed you to respond a certain way. And for reasons that we necessarily can't grasp, he's chosen to create beings that can choose to reject him, ignore him, or embrace him. So as we close our service, I'm going to ask our worship band to come forward, and I want to encourage us to be open to the fact that God could be calling to you. And he, he did the greatest act he could possibly do to do so, an act that we celebrate as we gather for communion. Word of God says, that same book of John that we looked at earlier, says God so loved the world, he gave his one only son, that whoever would believe in him not perish but have everlasting life. That is, that is what we commemorate here as we gather around the Lord's table. We remember that he gave his life for us. Jesus, when he, when he instituted this last supper, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And if you're, you're new here, please know that all sincere folks are welcome to come forward. If you're doing this because it's a ritual, if you're doing it because other people are doing it, don't do it. The Bible says don't do it. it just do it to do it. But if you sincerely want more of God, if you're willing to come humbly in and say, Father, forgive me for these things that I've done, the things that I know, the things that I don't know. If you're able to sincerely come and say, God, I want to receive from you today. Will you take these things that, that, I, that are not right? And would you begin to change my heart? God honors that. He honors that. And, and even when you guys were um, practicing the songs early on, you know what? Just pray these songs. In fact, I don't need to say any more. Pray these songs. 
So all that we will say, let's, let's prepare our hearts. We have some prayers that, that we do together. We encourage you to pray these with us. Um, that's why we, we, most weeks we put these on the screen. We don't always do this, but most weeks we, we have these prayers so that, that if you're a, a person who, who doesn't even know where to start, oh, start with these words. All right? Would you please join me in praying these out loud? Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we're about to receive. But say the word and we will be made clean. Let me pray quickly. Father, we, we, we come now before you. And those of us who claim to be followers of you, may this be a reminder, this day be a reminder, that, that we are to serve you with our whole heart because there is no greater evidence than a transformed life. And so, Lord, may we become transformed. Lord, all of us, all of us, everyone in this room, we, we all wander away from what you say. When, you, when you, you have spoken and we all wander from that, we deviate from that and, and we just stop and we don't listen to that. Father, today may we come back to you. People should not have to look around us to see you. They should not have to look around us to see you. They should, through the miracle of you working in people like us, they should be able to see you in us. So, Father, those of us who claim to know you, we come to you today. We, Father, we pray that you will bring to our minds and our hearts that which we need to say we are sorry for and that which we need to repent of and say no more. And, Father, maybe we come with humble hearts and, and maybe we come and, and ask you then to help us and to change us and to transform us. So, Father, would you do that? And, Lord, we pray for our friends here today who, who aren't sure. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them today? Even as you spoke to me 27 years ago, would, would you speak to them today and, and with what they need to hear or give them what they need to feel? As we sing these songs, could you open them up to the possibility that this could be true? That you are who the Bible says you are and that, that you are pursuing them. Lord, we pray that. Would you pursue them? And may they feel that. May they feel this internal presence as they open that door of this God who is wooing, not shaming, who is wooing, who is calling them today. Would you open them to that? Even as you remind us how much you love us. Do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers uh, and communion servers, you come forward, please. Two things. First of all, brothers and sisters in Christ, I feel, I feel like that whole idea of, of making sure people aren't having to look around us too much is a big deal. Um, I think that's something that, and I don't use these words often, I think this is something God is saying to us today. Let's go forth from this place and, and invite the Spirit of God to work in our, way, in our lives in such a way where people don't have to look around us to see Jesus, but they can see Christ being formed in us. Okay, And then those of you who are, who are exploring the faith, there's a lot of things you probably have to look around to see Jesus as well. And, and admittedly, 
uh, a big part of that are, are people who claim to be Christians but don't look like Christ. But there's also some things that you've likely been taught that I would encourage you to, to, to investigate. Even if you don't do it here, to investigate. And, and we listed a couple of them um, over the next couple of weeks here that we're going to look at. Things like this, that, that the Bible is just another book. Investigate that because it's, it's not. That the Bible has changed over time. Investigate that because the evidence shows otherwise. And then the whole idea of Jesus just being a great teacher. <laughs> you look at the evidence, there's one that's not even arguable. So I'd encourage you to investigate that. Look around what you may have been told and search for truth in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, um, as, as folks go front forth from this place, help us who, who claim to be your followers to, to embody your spirit and, and be your temple in such a way where you are changing us. Help us not to resist you, Holy Spirit but allow you to change us so that we can look more and more like you. And Lord, for those who are who are investigating the faith, Lord, help them to even understand what it means to seek sincerely. Don't let the enemy come in and uh, allow these seeds to fall on, on soil that is, um, that is hard. But instead, Father, we pray that you'll loosen up that soil so that um, the seed can take root as they look and investigate your claims. Pray that in Jesus' name. Go forth, and as you do, go and... Uh, what, what am I supposed to... Here's what I'm supposed to say. <laughs> My cue card. Jay Leno has it in front. I have to look to the side. Go in peace. Seek and serve the Lord. See you next week.